This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Uh, it is always such a joy uh, to be present with you, to worship God with you. Uh, the Lord's presence is so very, very evident here among you uh, in Life Church, and we thank God for this church and thank God for Pastor Jim and Carrie and this wonderful leadership team uh, that the Lord has brought into the life of this church. A lot has been said about age in just the last few minutes and uh, some of us growing older and graduating from distinction to extinction and uh, <laughs> last summer, last summer I had the privilege of going to my 50th high school reunion. That was really quite an experience. Your day is coming. You're going to have that experience one of these days, God willing. And uh, I graduated from a high school uh, that had several hundred students. And my graduating class was uh, a lot of kids. And as we were enjoying the uh, banquet together, they had on the screens the names of my many classmates who had passed away prior to uh, that event. So it was kind of sobering as well, but I thank God for his grace, his life, and his goodness. I want to share a few thoughts with you this morning about being more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, or as another translation says, trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The most wonderful thing that can happen in your life or mine is to receive Jesus Christ by faith and through repentance as our Savior and Lord. Yes. And to walk through life's journey with Christ. Nothing better than that could be experienced here on this earth. But coming to know Christ and, and learning to walk and live in Christ is not a ticket that delivers you from all trouble and tribulation that is common to our human experience on this earth. In fact, sometimes you may actually discover that as a Christian, you come under spiritual attack from Satan that maybe you hadn't experienced before when you were in his grip. But Jesus said, in the midst of the troubles that we might experience on this earth, we should be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. The scripture also tells us that we can approach the throne of grace with great confidence because Jesus Christ, our high priest, has been tempted in all points like as we are and yet without sin. He has won the victory for us in facing the vicissitudes and difficulties that are common to humankind on this earth. And he shares that strength and he shares that victory with us and he has called us to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Reflecting upon that reality, 
I've noted that the life of Jesus Christ gives us a wonderful example of walking through those seasons of difficulty and facing discouraging moments in our lives and how Jesus dealt with those moments, how he managed to overcome and live a triumphant and victorious life on this earth. And I just want to draw our attention this morning to a few of those things from the life of Jesus Christ that give us some wonderful lessons, I believe, in how we can walk through life in the strength of our Lord, how we can face and go through and endure the problems that we might experience and come out the other side victorious. You know, there are some things that God delivers us from, and we'd like for him to deliver us from all trouble on this earth. And uh, it's a joyous and wonderful thing, for example, to see someone come to Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior who perhaps has uh, been an alcoholic and in a moment's time, God delivers them from that addiction. And we see that happen from, times to time, from time to time where God will actually deliver someone from addiction or deliver them from a problem or a trial that was overwhelming to them. But God doesn't always deliver us. Sometimes he would have us face the struggle and go through the battle, so to speak, that we might obtain the victory that he has for us. And this is common. It is a normal experience in the lives of God's people. And thinking about the life of Jesus Christ, a few episodes in his life came to my attention that I want to share with you this morning. First of all, uh, this might not seem like a great difficulty in life, but for some of us, when we go through these experiences, it can be quite discouraging. Jesus had to wait. Now, there's that wonderful, blessed waiting that we talked about this morning in the services. We wait upon the Lord and we receive his strength. That is a spiritual discipline that is indeed very helpful to us. But sometimes we experience in life periods of having to wait for something that we yearn for, something we desire something that we may even earnestly believe that God has for us. This happened in the life of Jesus. Remember when he was 12 years old, his parents took him to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And after they had worshiped and celebrated the feast, they packed up everything and started for home. And at the end of one day's journey, they discovered that Jesus wasn't with them. They were traveling with a party of relatives and friends, the Bible says, and so they thought he was among the crowd, but he wasn't. And so they hurried back to Jerusalem to find Jesus after searching for him for two or three days, sitting in the temple, there discussing the things of God with the religious leaders. And they were amazed at his wisdom, even as a 12-year-old boy. And his mother chided him and couldn't understand why he hadn't come with the family to return home to Nazareth. And he said, don't you understand, I must be about my father's business. And there was a call upon his life and there was an earnest desire to be doing something very important in his life. But it would be 18 years before that calling became a reality. And Jesus was able to engage in that public ministry that the father had in store for him. 
It was a period of waiting. It was a period of growth. He was altogether God, yet he was altogether man. And he would learn obedience through the things that he suffered, the scripture said. And, and he was learning. He was growing. And yet he had this grasp of, of what life held for him and the providence and will of the Father. And sometimes we have to wait for those, those good things in life. But I noted something very interesting, that as Jesus was starting into his public ministry. The first thing he did is he went to the Jordan River and there he was baptized by John. And when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't preached his first sermon yet. Jesus hadn't healed anyone yet. Jesus hadn't performed a single miracle yet. And the father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. What was first and foremost in the mind and heart of the father and in the mind and heart of Jesus Christ was his relationship with the father. It is so evident that Jesus lived a father-centered or a God-centered Life. He would say, I and the Father are one. That was true in the sense that he was part of the Godhead, but it was also true in the sense that Jesus lived in vital relationship with his Father and who he was. And embracing that relationship was far more important than anything he would ever do in his life. God has a wonderful relationship that, that he wants to engage in with you and wants you to experience that and walk in it and live in it and to be the person that he wants you to be before you ever do anything with your life. And I believe this was a foundational point of strength for Jesus Christ that when discouraging moments came, it was his relationship with the Father that gave him strength and wisdom and endurance, and ultimately, victory. You know, Jesus, after being baptized in the River Jordan, was driven by the Holy Spirit out into the desert. And after fasting for 40 days, the devil came to him and began to tempt him. In that weak and physical condition, Jesus withstood the temptation. He overcame the temptation for evil. And at the end of those temptations, he said, we must serve God, worship God alone, and serve him only. Jesus was 100% committed to obeying the Father in his life. He understood the importance of the will of God for his life, and he was committed to obey God in all circumstances of his life, and that was also a foundation of strength for him as he would encounter difficulties and trouble in his life. He was unjustly criticized. Even his own family on one occasion, they came to a place where he's ministering. The Bible says they thought he was out of his mind. And evidently, they had planned to do an intervention, thinking that Jesus was somehow out of his mind, and he received criticism from his own family because of his obedience to God, his obedience to the Father. He experienced unjust criticism in his hometown when he went to Nazareth, and he went into the synagogue, and he read from Isaiah the prophet, chapter 61, 
a prophecy about the Messiah coming, and he says to the people gathered, he said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And though they marveled at his wisdom, the scripture says that they became offended at him, and they thought, isn't this just the son of Joseph and Mary? And aren't his brothers and sisters right here? And he grew up among us. It's evident he hadn't performed any miracles. He hadn't done any things that we would expect of the Christ at that particular time in his life. And they criticized him to the degree of persecution. They physically took him out to the edge of the community where there was a precipice with the intention of throwing him to his death. Jesus escaped through the crowd and went on to minister yet in another place. The Pharisees on one occasion even said of Jesus that he performs the miracles he performs by the power of Beelzebub. Jesus experienced unjust criticism. Jesus experienced disappointing results. And I find that particularly interesting. We know that there were occasions in which the Bible says that he healed them all. And in what God had called him to do, he experienced great success on various occasions. But there were other times when he experienced a lot of disappointment in life. He experienced disappointing results there in that city of Nazareth that we mentioned earlier The Bible says that Jesus could perform very few miracles because of the unbelief of the people. On another occasion, teaching the people in Capernaum, he had some hard things to teach, some truth that they did not want to receive or take in. And the scripture says that many disciples left Jesus on that particular day occasion, but he abandoned the outcomes to God and was committed to obeying the will of the Father in his life. I also note that Jesus experienced great disappointment in people. There were those in Capernaum that turned away and left him. But then there was Judas, I'm sure the greatest disappointment in his relationship experience with other people. Judas, as you know, was among the 12 disciples that Jesus had chosen to come and follow him. And he readily followed Jesus. And Jesus referred to those disciples as his friends. He taught them to be servants. And he said, however, I've not called you servants. I've called you friends. And he spoke of Judas, quoting from the psalmist on one occasion, and he said, this one with whom I've broken bread, he's lifted his heel up against me. And Jesus was wounded and he was hurt emotionally by some of his friends, by other people. He experienced those disappointments in life that sometimes can cause us to become so discouraged and may sometimes even tempt us to lose our way. But when I read Jesus' high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, and there he's praying to the Father about his disciples, about those who were with him at that time and those who would become followers of Christ in years to come. He makes mention of Judas, but he only mentions him briefly. 
most of the time he spent in that prayer had to do with the people that were faithful to God. And I began to reflect on that and realize that Jesus lived in the truth that the Apostle Paul would later teach in his letter to the Philippian church, and that is, think on good things. Don't allow yourself to obsess on all the evil that is in the world. Don't allow yourself to obsess upon that one or two or three or four people that in the course of life have brought you anguish and injury and hurt. That'll take you into a place of despair, but think on good things. And Jesus rejoiced in the other 11 that were faithful to God and the other 11 that remained his friends. And he focused on good things. And that was a source of strength and victory in his life. And just a couple more thoughts. Another comes from his experience in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus walked into the moment of greatest anguish in his life as he prepared for the cross and would pray, Father, please let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He took his friends with him into the garden. The Bible says the disciples went with him. And when he went a little further into the garden to pray, he took his three closest friends with him, Peter, James, and John, and he asked them to watch and to pray. And Jesus metaphorically put his arms around his faithful friends when he was going through a deep and dark hour and moment in his life. And this is part of the strategy and the will of God for the church of Jesus Christ. We draw strength from one another. It's so important that you have relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ who love God as you do and who are walking uh, to heaven together with you and to draw strength from them in your time of need. And for Jesus, this was a source of encouragement to him at a very difficult time in his life. And just one more thought. In his hour of greatest suffering, when he was on the cross, suffering in a way that you and I cannot possibly comprehend completely, the physical suffering was amazing and beyond our understanding but also the spiritual suffering. Because the scripture says he became sin for us. And he took upon himself your sins and my sins. He took the guilt and the responsibility for our sins. That's what the word propitiation that you'll find in the scripture means. Christ became our propitiation. He took our sins upon himself, bore the judgment that we deserve from a righteous and holy God on our behalf in order that we might be forgiven of our sins. Jesus experienced that incredible, incredible moment of suffering. And the Bible gives us insight into what gave him strength to go through a period of suffering that transcends anything you and I will ever experience in this life. The Bible says, who for the joy 
that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And that joy set before Jesus Christ was you and it was me. It was all who would come to know God through faith in him and be forgiven of their sins and receive this marvelous gift of eternal life by virtue of his work on the cross. And friends, Jesus kept his eye on the prize and that gave him strength to go through the troubles that he would experience on this earth. And though his life is so singular and so very, very unique, yet he experienced these things that you and I walk through in some degree, one way or another, and he charted a path of victory and he said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. And Jesus Christ wants you and I to live triumphant, overcoming lives, to not succumb to the temptation to sin, to not to succumb to the disappointments and results that we might experience, to not succumb to the disappointments that we might experience in human relationships with other people that might, not, might let us down, to not succumb to moments of suffering and personal emotional anguish that we may not even be able to articulate, but to find in him and to find in the body of Christ and to find in the wisdom of God's word the strength that we need to overcome those discouraging, difficult trials in our life. Jesus has promised, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And he's with us in all of life. And may the Lord give you strength. May the Lord give you courage. May the Lord give you all that you need to live for him triumphantly in these difficult days in which we live. Let's pray. Father. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.